and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPix.com. And on today's episode of Spawned, we will be talking to nutritionist Nicole Turner-Ravana about kids and nutrition, what we're getting wrong, what we're getting right, and what we can do better. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. We'll be right back with our guest right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Ready Pack Foods Bistro Salads, a fresh, convenient, on-the-go lunch option perfect for busy parents. Find ready-to-eat favorites like Caesar and Chef Bistro Salads, along with creative combos like their new tropical mango salad with sweet dried mangoes, crunchy cashews, and chili lime chicken breast, all topped with a mango cilantro vinaigrette. Ready Pack Foods also offers other ways to make healthy eating easier throughout the day, including Ready Snacks snack packs featuring fresh fruits and veggies and salad kits that help to make dinner prep a breeze. Look for them in the produce section of your supermarket or learn more at readypack.com. That's readypack.com. So before we get started, we want to talk a little bit more about our awesome guest, Nicole Turner-Ravana. She's a nutritionist who has dedicated her career to food safety, nutrition, and public health, especially in schools. Yes, that's Yay, so important. We need that. She has a BS in nutrition from Pepperdine University and an MS in nutrition communications from Tufts University. She's worked as a nutrition and food safety adjunct professor at California School of Culinary arts, and she's even trained schools about nutrition and smarter lunchroom programs, creating district-wide wellness programs through the nonprofit RMC Health. Nicole is a longstanding member of the Society for Nutrition, Education, and Behavior, SNEB. You should look them up. Very interesting. And she was named Volunteer of the Year for the Food Bank of Larimer County, so yay. She assists companies and organizations like our sponsor, Ready Pack Foods, to help them make good decisions about creating and promoting nutritious products responsibly so that we can choose and eat nutritious products as well. And she's going to help us make lots of better decisions. So we're excited to talk to her. Thanks, Nicole. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me today. We're so happy you're joining us because this is an evergreen topic. I mean, we probably get as many questions about how do I keep my kids off Snapchat as we do about how can I feed my family better? And that's saying something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> it's a part of our every day. So it's definitely a topic of interest for everyone. So I want to start off by asking you just in general, what did most families get wrong about eating well? Like, are, are we still thinking that like it's all about calories or it's all about fat or are we giving our kids too much protein or not enough milk? Like, is there something that you see over and over in your work that we're in general not doing right or could be doing better? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we are overcomplicating all of the different details of how do we eat healthy. When I work with schools and families and friends, you know, the main thing I focus on is, are you eating a lot of fruits and vegetables? And if people are going to that first, then everything else can kind of fall in line. We're learning a lot about personalized nutrition these days where I don't like to put everybody in a box of, you know, this is the one way to eat healthy and that's the only option, but um, really exploring what's going to work for you and your family to find healthy options that fit into your lifestyle that your kids are going to eat, that you're going to enjoy, that you can actually have time to prepare. But really that fruits and vegetable piece to me is kind of the thing that 
all the different science organizations out there can agree on. Nobody's arguing that more fruits and vegetables is not good for you. Uh, so really starting <laughs> there <laughs> and, you know, filling up your plate every time you eat having fruits and vegetables is kind of the top advice that I go to. If people can start from that point, then we can kind of fill in the details from there. I love that because that's what I'm always pushing yeah. <laughs> in my household. So at least yeah. I know that I'm doing that right. Yeah. Um. So you know what? Let's talk a little bit about the science behind nutrition. I feel like it changes so quickly. You know, we yeah. used to think that eggs were bad for you and then non-fat high sugar cookies were great. Like there's <laughs> right. all these kinds of things that it's so hard for parents, especially to keep up with these, I don't want to say trends, but it kind of feels that way. So how do we know who to trust? Yeah. Nutrition is really an imperfect science. Um, when we study nutrition, we're a lot of times looking at what's called epidemiology, where you study a large group of people over a long period of time and kind of look in general at what they're eating and what kind of health outcomes they have. And that's really imperfect because you can't lock someone in a room for 10 years and give them specific nutrients only to eat to see exactly how that changes the body. So, you know, we're really pulling all these influences in together at the same time. You know, what environment do people live in? What different types of foods are interacting? How are we evolving in our understanding of how nutrients impact our health? I don't like to get too excited. Like when you see, you know, the nightly news say, oh, there was a study on this and that, and now you have to change everything that you do. It's great that we're always learning, but don't lose sight of the big picture of those key things that we know are healthy for us. You know, kind of like how we talked about fruits and vegetables. We know we need fruits and vegetables. We know we need protein. We know we need some grains. We know we need nutrient-dense foods that have vitamins and minerals. So I think being less reactionary to kind of the exciting articles and headlines out there and coming back to thinking about when there's a new trend or a new result that comes out, how does that kind of fit in the big picture? Um, and let's watch and see how the different health organizations are reacting. But really, you know, how does that fit in the landscape of what we understand about healthy eating already? Because we're always going to be enticed by reading the next exciting article about you know, something unique about nutrients. So what you're saying is when we hear that a glass of wine a day is good for you, we shouldn't be like running out and stocking up on wine because that kind of bums me out, honestly. I was like, finally, some nutritional news I love. Wasn't there something for a while that was like dark chocolate? Right, right. Yeah. All the polyphenols and dark chocolate. And we've seen a lot of that with coffee lately too. You know, it's really, we're like an all or nothing society where we automatically want to jump on the bandwagon for something or just, you know, completely kick a food out the door if it has some negative report about it. So yeah, keeping that, that balanced perspective. <laughs> that really helps. So when you mentioned like, you know, kind of keeping an eye on what the big organizations and the global health organizations are talking about, are there specific organizations we should be looking to that are trusted sources? Yeah, you know, my go-tos are the Food and Drug Administration, the USDA, National Institutes of Health, the American Medical Association. I look at a lot of the universities too, who are really doing that hands-on research like Harvard and Tufts and just kind of getting a feel for how are they putting that into context. A lot of times their resources will over time integrate different studies and reports that feed into that bigger picture, but they'll be the ones that are less reactionary to the new little things that come in here and there. I think that's really helpful because, you know, sometimes it's hard to know what's a reliable source. So that's really good information. Yeah. So I want to know, speaking of the FDA and things like that, I think one thing that's great about 
families is we really become better label readers over the years. Yeah. And I see that just even in the 10 or so years since we've had our site, the evolution and how people are just so much more aware of what ingredients to look for and what are the secret words for sugar and things like that. Yeah. So is there anything kind of like sneaky still about nutritional labels, like any tricks we should know? Give us some like insider secrets on sure. nutritional label reading. You know, I think it's less about being sneaky on labels, but more about being empowered in our decisions when we're reading labels because a product wants to stand out on the shelf. It wants to grab your attention over the product sitting next to you. So you'll see a lot of bells and whistles maybe on the label just to pull you in. But you really have to, you know, look at the facts. What are those first ingredients in the product? What are those main nutrition points? How many calories is it higher in sodium and sugar versus being higher in fiber and protein? We can be grabbed in by things like claims and and copy and, you know, flashy things about a product, but facts don't have a lot of flexibility of being communicated in a misleading way because there's so many rules around how we have to report things like ingredients and nutrition that there's no way to get around telling the truth in those sections of the label. And not that companies are not telling the truth, but we're always just trying to filter out what's key to realize about the product and how does that fit into our overall goals? That makes sense to me. I know that when I go shopping with my kids, I always have them look at labels, especially when they're grabbing things that we don't usually buy. I'm sure you know what right. I'm talking about. So I make sure they look and see what's on the label. And I talk to them about the ingredients that you'll find most of are going to be first. So yeah. it falls a lot on parents, right? To just make mm-hmm. sure that their kids are informed about what they're eating. I think that's empowering too, like you were saying. Exactly. Yeah, They're getting their nutrition education from us. They're not really getting it at school. We don't want them to be getting it from advertising and things. So, you know, we really have to help them think through those things we're thinking about as we're picking things off the shelf. So, yeah, like when we're picking out a cereal, I have my son who's eight years old find the sugar content and compare the sugar in the different cereals and say, okay, you can pick the one with the lowest sugar. Or if we're looking at juice, like you have to find one that says 100% juice on front and then we can go with that one. So giving them a little tool that they can be involved with and then they're learning to understand about why we're making the choices we are and becoming educated themselves as they're growing up about nutrition and food and what's best to eat. So you just spoke about schools. So let's talk about them. What do you look at when you're evaluating school nutritional programs? I'm just so curious to know. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. What have you seen change over the past 15 years? Anything for the better? Talk a little bit. We've got kids. They're in school. You know, this is something that's on our minds. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of changes over the years and Michelle Obama really kicked that off with her initiatives around healthy schools and changing school meals. When I've worked with schools, a lot of times they're not really in that mindset. You know, they're really focused on the academics, on getting the kids to be successful throughout their day. And they're not realizing all the impact the different choices throughout school can have on a student's health. So kind of the first step that we look at is just that broader school food environment, we call it. One teacher might think, well, I just give out some Skittles or Jolly Ranchers as a treat when they get their math right. But then I'm not thinking about how other teachers are also doing that throughout the day. And then maybe I'm not realizing that we're also having bake sales and that they're getting prizes to go get fast food as a reward and things like that. So helping schools realize that bigger context of how is food being communicated at school and how are they introducing either healthy choices or not as healthy choices to students? Because they have kids in this contained environment, so they really have an opportunity to influence that. 
the idea of having like five different teachers throughout the day who are each giving you Jolly Ranchers, my kids would be psyched. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of that before, but right. that's, that's, that's like a really interesting perspective I hadn't yeah. heard of before. Yeah. Through some of my trainings, we evaluated how many extra calories a student can get from all these little things that come into their life throughout the school day. And we found that over a week's time, they could easily be introduced to about 1600 extra calories from mostly junk food, just through all these little extra things throughout the day. That's not even counting their lunch or breakfast that they have coming in. And these are some of the things in combination with reducing their physical activity that can have a big impact on their overall health. Is there any trend that you think is more positive that's happening right now in schools? Like I know you've worked with a lot of school systems to help them integrate wellness programs. And I assume that goes beyond just food, but kind of wellness in general. Are you seeing any good trends that we should be happy about and keep encouraging in our own school systems? Yeah. The non-food celebrations has really taken off where Ah. instead of birthdays being about cupcakes and Christmas being about cookies and things like that, giving teachers resources and ideas of how do we celebrate without junk food has been a great, small, easy change. And a lot of times that's where parents can get involved too, because they can volunteer to be the party coordinator and things like that. And then it becomes less about arguing with people about bringing less healthy food in, but you can encourage other activities because the kids just really want the experience. You know, we're the ones who say eat cupcakes. But if you say, hey, instead of eating cupcakes, what if you have recess for your birthday? They're so excited. They want to be outside. They want to be running and having fun. You know, so how are we changing that experience from being food based to being more activity or just focused on a different type of reward? That's fascinating. That's so smart. What they did in my daughter's school last year, which I thought was really interesting, was they were doing a celebration of diversity and all the different heritages and backgrounds of the kids in the school because we live in Brooklyn and so people are from all different kinds of families. And so they did an around the world dinner Mm -hmm. where everybody brought in foods that reflected their own family's heritage. So we had like Polish food and Mexican food and Colombian food. It was so great and it wasn't focused on sweets. You know, of course, the pasta table for the Italian family was very popular. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I get it. It puts more onus on parents to have to make something that isn't cookies. Like it's so easy for me to just like pop into the local grocery store and just like grab cookies. But it was really cool. And I thought that was a neat way to like learn about food and through food, but still keep it healthy and not focused on sweets. I thought that was kind of neat. That also helps kids with food allergies too. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it just makes it a lot easier. And you don't even have the issue. Yeah, you don't have it at all. I know our school where I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, we're a total non-food celebration. Mm -hmm. for birthdays. For parties, we do, but it has to replace snack. So it can't just be cupcakes. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to bring in food for some sort of party, it actually has to replace what would be appropriate for their snack. Do you have a no bake sale school, Kristen? We uh, we've had bake sales. We have, but they've definitely cracked down on the celebrations. Like that's been the one thing that has been very noticeable Mm -hmm. over the last few years. And I'm all for it. It makes it easier for me because I was never the food mom. Anyway, Nicole, if you you have probably don't know this about Liz and I, but we're the napkin sure. and water bottle moms. <laughs> we're not bringing in food anyway. We're bringing in the napkins. But we have to and the sign up bottles. for what to bring in. We're like, I got napkins. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to make anything. I can fit it right in my pocketbook. <laughs> we 
call ourselves the napkin and water bottle mom. So let's talk about kids making better choices when we're not around because let's be honest, like we make their lunch or whatever we do, we pack it, they go in, they're trading. My kids are older now. After school, they can walk around our little town by themselves. You know, we're just not going to be there. So how can we impact them in a way that makes them know and want to make good choices when it comes to food, when they're not with us. Right. Yeah. And we'll never be able to control everything they choose, but setting them up with that foundation of what healthy eating looks like will make it more natural for them to ease into that when they're making their own choices. Do they see us carrying around water bottles or are we carrying around cans of soda? You know, at the dinner table, does everybody take a vegetable and a protein or are we all eating those same things together? We have conversations about, well, we're not going to have candy now because we're going to be eating dinner next. So even those little messages may seem small. They're really setting that foundation for them to have a context in which they're making their own eating decisions. And they're also becoming familiar with foods that are more healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the problem when they introduced whole grains and fruits and vegetables into school lunches was a lot of the kids had no experience with them. So they didn't want to take them and they weren't eating them. So if at home, we're giving them those opportunities to eat healthier choices. Then when they see it on menus or out and about or at friends' houses, they can say, oh yeah, I know what that is. I know it tastes good. I know how I like to eat it. And they'll be much more likely to choose those things. That makes sense. And I really appreciate that you bring up the idea that we have to do at home ourselves what we want our kids to do. Like we talk about this a lot in terms of tech and certainly it's true in terms of food, that if we model good behavior for our kids, they're going to pick up on it. It's almost like when we parent our kids, we actually have to do some work. (laughs) (laughs) We need to be the good people that we'd like our kids to become. And I know that's hard, but yeah, it's a good reminder. Yeah. And showing them how we can enjoy eating healthy. When I have nothing good to eat in the house, I'm grumpy. So showing them that there are things I love to eat that are healthy and that makes me happy and successful in my life is just giving them that frame of reference that eating healthy things is something I really enjoy myself. Oh, that's a good point. My kids definitely recognize low blood sugar mom. Yeah. They're very familiar (laughs) with what that looks like and they don't like it. And they're like, mom, eat a banana. (laughs) See, they know you well. I mean, I ask my kids questions, you know, if they come in and they're like, can I have dessert? And I'll be like, all right, well, what did you eat today? Tell me what you ate. Talk to me, you know, like just talk to me and tell me. And when they list it out, it's kind of like keeping a food journal, but not, you know, written down, but they're, they'll list through and they'll be like, Oh, I didn't have any protein. And I'm like, yeah, okay. No judgment. Just go have a little protein. Come back to me in like an hour and see, you know, how you're feeling. If you're still super hungry, like those are the kinds of things. Did you have any vegetables today? Oh, what was your fruit today? And I don't do it in a judgmental way. It's more like, Oh, tell me Mm. what fruit you had today. And if they can't think of anything, and then I'm like, well, how about you go get an apple or whatever? And then and come back to me. So that's what we do in my house. Kristen, I do the exact same thing. Exactly. And it's interesting because when kids are forced to kind of name like, yeah, here's what I ate for breakfast. And I had this for snack. And then, oh, wait, there was a birthday party. And then, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> like so-and-so brought in these candies after school and handed them out. And then, oh, yeah, it's like they don't realize, yeah. as you said, 
Nicole throughout the day. And then when they come home and have to list it to me, same thing, Kristen. Suddenly they're like, huh, maybe I should have like a chicken fajita for dinner instead of the pizza. (laughs) And we like to play restaurant in our house for meals where my son loves like designing menus and creating recipe ideas. And so we talk about what are all the components that need to be on the menu and that everybody needs to order off of each of the sections to kind of create that healthy overall plate. So that makes it more like a game that they can be excited about and they don't realize they're learning about nutrition, but they're having fun creating this restaurant and creating new dishes that they think is more exciting. I love that. Making it fun, getting them involved. That makes sense that they're going to be inclined towards doing something like that because we're dealing with kids here. Okay. So speaking of, you know, (laughs) eating healthier. Okay. So how can we do that when we're super busy, right? Like this is, I think most parents will say when the ball is dropped is when we're running around, Mm -hmm. we're super busy and that's when we make the worst choices. So do you have any options, any suggestions for those situations because we're all going to encounter them? Yeah, I mean, have things that you like that are fitting into your nutrition and health goals and make sure that your fridge and your pantry is stocked with them. So for me, it's an easy go-to at the end of the day to pull out a salad kit where I don't have to worry about chopping vegetables and finding all these unique ingredients. I can just kind of open the salad get it on the table and get going or add things to it. Um, That's a really easy one to go to, you know, pre-chopped vegetables or even like they have the spiralized zucchini noodles now make it so easy to do. Yeah. The zoodles. Um, You have to find the little tricks that you can fit into your life that, still makes healthy eating a priority because it is, it's too easy to call, you know, the pizza guy or pull out the frozen pizza all the time. You know, also I found when I have the fresh produce in there and I know it's going to go bad, I'm more urgent to, to make sure I'm eating it. So if I have those cut up fruits and vegetables, I have to make sure that's priority number one that we're eating tonight. If I have those salad kits and ready to eat salad bowls, I'm going to be going to that first at lunchtime because I know it's just going to go to waste in my fridge if I don't get to it now. So it's kind of an extra motivator while also being super convenient and fitting into your health goals at the same time. And that's why, I mean, I really like um, Ready Pack Foods, who you work with, because of the homemade salad kits and the pre-chopped veggies. Right. I am a big proponent of cost-benefit analysis when it comes to food. Yeah. Like, if you are a busy working parent, especially, and, you know, if you think about what you make a year, there are, like, actually calculators online where you can figure out, like, what you're worth an hour. And sometimes I think, yeah. okay, is it worth it for that, like, 45 minutes to be, like, chopping vegetables instead of just have it pre-chopped for me? Right. For me, it's often worth it. It, like, can be the difference between my kids getting a better dinner with more well-rounded plate at the table than me just kind of throwing something on the table because I'm too tired or I just don't have time. Yeah, and one of my pet peeves is having all these open salad dressing bottles in the refrigerator, it drives me nuts. (laughs) trying to throw them away. So I love how when you get the salad kits, you can experience like a whole different flavor each time and you don't have that salad dressing bottle sitting in your fridge. That's so I have super weird kids who don't like salad dressing. Oh yeah. I cannot figure out why. I'm like, do you understand that like carrots are just a way to get the dressing into your mouth? (laughs) And they still don't understand that. They'll just eat the plain stuff without the dressing and then I get more dressing. So it works for both of us. I understand that. I think I've always been kind of a non-dressing person, like not completely non-dressing, but I would rather put like hummus or guacamole on my salad rather than a salad dressing. So if you can find like squeeze some fresh lemon juice or have some spicy roasted nuts or something, you know, that's adding flavor without having to use dressing all the time. My kids love to take salads to school. 
So that's why I love these ready pack foods. Honestly, my kids love it. They kind of think it's a treat, and <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know, maybe makes them kind of weird kids. But I think the idea of like them getting to like put things together and they get to put the dressing yeah. on and like mix it up, it kind of makes them feel like they're cooking in a way. It's like a food bar. I love it. And it, my kids are not sandwich kids. And I know yeah. there are listeners out there too that have kids I know that are not sandwich kids. Right. So it's a really, really great option. Well, like, so talk more, like what else can we do to get good nutrition into our kids' diets? Do you have any favorite tricks, some of which maybe we haven't heard? We've tried a bunch, but I bet you have a few up your sleeve, Nicole. Sure. <laughs> you know, looking at things that incorporate vegetables, but aren't focused on vegetables necessarily. Like I love the snack packs that also have the fruits and vegetables are like half of the package. So they're automatically eating it and it's not a fight. Having things that are pre-cut, like the pre-cut apple slice things that you can easily go to. Having things that you're dipping is always fun for kids, whether it's into hummus or ranch or yogurt. Um, So you could have the sliced carrots and celery or apple slices for the yogurt that they can go to. The hiding things is sometimes fun where you can puree it into sauces. But I also think we have to remember to empower our kids that we're choosing vegetables for a reason too, and they can find ones that they like. So, you know, our role is my son doesn't have to eat all of the vegetable if he doesn't like it, but he has to try it. And if he wants dessert, he does have to eat the vegetable. But, um, you know, we can't force kids to always eat the vegetables, but they're going to learn over time. Um, They say that it takes at least 10 exposures to a new fruit or vegetable before they might actually eat the whole thing. So just continuing to put those things in front of them, giving them opportunities to eat it in a way that tastes good will encourage them to integrate that slowly into their life, even though it may not always seem as fast as we want it to be. (laughs) And that's a scientific thing. That's a real, because I never knew, is that coming from science or is that just kind of like a trick? So you think it's proven like from a data standpoint that it takes kids about 10 times before they like a new food? Yeah, that's proven. That's research. So yeah, it shows kids need that exposure. They need to see it again and again and try it again and again to become comfortable with it. And their palates are also changing over time. You know, we start with a much more affinity to sweet foods just from an evolution standpoint that we don't want to eat bitter foods when we're younger. But as we get older, we grow taste buds that like things like onions and broccoli and stuff where you may have a very sensitive palate when you're younger where you just don't want to eat those things. That's fantastic. That's really helpful. And look, my goal is to get my kids to eat caramelized onions because it's the most (laughs) delicious thing in the whole world. That's like my next goal. That's what I'm working towards. So for all of our listeners, if you want more info, this is really helpful, Nicole. We will have it all linked up on our podcast page at coolmompics.com and obviously in show notes here. And you can always join our Spawn podcast community on Facebook where we're talking about every episode that we broadcast for you all. Nicole, you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week? Sure. Fantastic. So as our guest, you get to go first. All right. So for me, I'm a big kombucha fan, and um, I have to give a shout out to my sister who introduced me to rosé kombucha. Um, And it's really fun. Yeah. You put it in a wine glass, and then you feel like you're really indulging in like a nice glass of wine, but it's actually kombucha. So if you're not at a point in your day where you can have some wine, it's a great treat that's really refreshing in the summer. I love Because it's not always five o'clock somewhere. I was just (laughs) going to say that, Liz. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kristen, 
Speaking of one brain, this is so funny. I picked this as my cool pick of the week. And no joke, you just wrote about it on Cool Mom. I know. And I thought of you. I know my cool pick is the magnifier on my iPhone because now I'm like old and my vision sucks, basically. (laughs) And I keep breaking all of my readers. I mean, it was like I blinked and suddenly I couldn't look like literally blinked and then couldn't look at the small print on like an Advil bottle or something. And I was like, Oh God, I need readers. And so I've started using the magnifier on my iPhone and it's like the best thing. It's so great. And you put up a really good post on cool mom tech on how to use it. But basically once you activate it under accessibility, sorry, everyone, you have to use your accessibility settings. Then all you have to do is tap your home button three times, boom, boom, boom. And it pops up and then you can use it to look at absolutely anything. I love it. It's so easy. And I always have my iPhone around anyway. I know. And it's got a light too. So it's nice. Even if you're sitting in the dark like me, because I don't really need readers yet. But if you're in, I'm not like I sit in the dark all the time, but you know, restaurants, you can't see the (laughs) menu. That's when I would use it. Yes. I've hit the age of looks at menu with iPhone flashlight. (laughs) It's like a new phase, a new milestone in my life. I'm not happy about it, but I've come to accept it. Okay. So my cool pick of the week just launched and I'm pretty excited. It is dun 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 Harry Potter Wizards Unite. It's the new app that everyone's going to be uh, using this summer. Liz, have you downloaded it? I know you've got some Harry Potter fans in your house. I have not downloaded it, but okay. I have seen basically every person from every walk of life on every social media feed that I have talking yes. about it. So I love it. I know. <laughs> yeah. So we actually have it up on Cool Mom Tech. I had to mention it because this is like the next big thing right after Pokemon. Go that came out a few years ago. It came out, I believe, at the beginning of the summer, kind of same timing. So if you want to get your kids outside, <laughs> this is might be the way to do it. Get Harry Potter Wizards Unite. It's kind of that same concept. You'll go out and you'll, you know, find creatures and cast spells and all that kind of good stuff. Of course, make sure your kids are looking up from time to time, not walking into traffic and all those good things to keep them safe. You know, <laughs> I will say this. It's gotten a couple of not so great reviews. So I'm just kind of hold my judgment until I get a chance to try it with my kids. But you know what? I feel like if you're a Potterhead, like you're a huge Harry Potter fan, it's definitely worth a try. So Harry Potter, Wizards Unite, you heard it here first. So it's an anticipatory cold pick. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Ready Pack Foods. And of course, a big thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. We love hearing from you, friends, listeners, all the people in the world. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you so much to those of you who have left ones recently. We really appreciate it. And while you're at it, Make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now while you download and save our episodes. That's a lot to do. But honestly, Liz, how long would that take you to do? 10 seconds? Uh, maybe? Like, I don't know. I would say less than a second. Well, the review might take a little bit if you're really thoughtful and uh, like to be creative with your adjectives. Okay. But um, I would say that like just a five-star <laughs> thing, less than a second. Awesome. <laughs> so go do that right now. We know your time is valuable. We would not ask a lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And of course, don't forget about our Spawn podcast community on Facebook. It is a fun, enjoyable place to chat about all kinds of things. I think we're talking about shoes this week, which was kind of cool. And of course, you can talk about what you hear today or any other episode. If you're going through our archives, that's cool too. You can find it through the link on our podcast page or just by searching Spawn podcast community on Facebook. 
aptly named because this is the Spawn podcast. <laughs> so glad you clarified that, Liz. Yeah, we're smart that way. <laughs> Again, we want to make things easy for you. We're always thinking about you, listeners. Well, thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.